Welcome to Crossview Radio, a weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. Well, welcome back. We are talking about a biblical view of man. And last time I told you that you can't be a pick-and-choose psychologist. And the reason for that is because psychological conclusions are not independent from their premises. If you want to accept the conclusions, you need to also accept the premises that produced those conclusions. And by the way, the same is true for the Bible. You can't be a pick-and-choose Christian. Uh, St. Augustine is quoted as saying this, If you believe what you like in the gospel and reject what you don't like, it is not the gospel you believe, but yourself. If you uh, peruse through the various religious and uh, or religions and philosophies of the world like a buffet and uh, pick the catchy phrases that appeal to you from each one, you're really only affirming what you already believe and what you already like. Uh, last time, I brought uh, up the phrase, be you, do you, for you. And while this may sound appealing to us, it really is a conclusion drawn from a humanist premise. It makes no sense to accept the conclusion, but to reject the premise. And of course, the premise behind this statement is ultimately that people are basically good and that we are to move towards self-love, self-actualization, and self-realization. D.A. Carson reminds us uh, of how the world thinks uh, with regard to this area. He says, quote, "...nothing trumps my right to be authentic." which from a Christian perspective is nothing other than the siren call of the supreme idol self, end quote. Um, Be you, do you, for you. It's a call to be, quote unquote, authentic. And I can't be authentic if I'm told that I need to change. But do we really want everyone to be authentic? While the spirit of our age is calling for homosexuals and transgenders and whoever else to be authentic— That same spirit of the age simultaneously and very hypocritically is telling Christians that they can't be authentic. And so from my perspective, the culture isn't really encouraging us to genuinely be authentic. It's just encouraging certain persons to be authentic and prescribing only certain beliefs as authentic and other ones as not authentic. All this is to say simply that the secular philosophies of the nature of man, of the constitution of man, they all fall short. How can we know what we're really made of? How can we know what our tendencies are? Uh, Even secular authorities wouldn't want to follow their beliefs to their logical conclusions. Uh, If they did, they would be forced to say that school shooters and murderers should be authentic, that those kinds of people should also follow the prescription, be you, do you, for you. Um, Those people, they would have to say, shouldn't change. So where can we go to find hope? And where can we go to find a uh, way of thinking that we can follow to its logical conclusion? And obviously, the the Christian runs to Scripture. And the Bible prescribes quite a different perspective on the nature of man. Uh, I would suggest that the nature of man as presented in the Bible is one of the reasons that we dislike Scripture so much at the outset. Why is that? Because it tells me I'm wrong. Here's the biblical view of man. The biblical view of man 
is that man is a totally depraved image bearer of God. Now, both of these things do go together, and both of these aspects are essential. We are made in God's image, which means that we reflect certain things about God. We have a conscience and know the difference between right and wrong on a basic level. And at the same time, we have become totally depraved. Now, this doesn't mean that we all express our sin to the full, uh, but that every part of our humanity is totally affected by sin. We're tainted in our entirety. And of course, God's common grace restrains us so that we don't uh, fully act on our sin. If we were to do that and God would not restrain us, uh, we would we would make Hitler look like uh, he was he was just a kid playing around because we would um, we would be so evil and so wicked that uh, that our our sin nature would drive us to to the ultimate limits. Um, our mind, our will, and our emotion they've been thoroughly tainted. Now, one thing that's important to know is that we did not lose our image of God's status at the fall. Uh, one of the most well-known verses about being made in God's image is actually post-fall, uh, and you're familiar, no doubt, with Genesis 9-6 that says, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. So we have corporal punishment here. And then he gives the reason for that. For God made man in his own image. So we have here, after the fall, a statement about being made in God's image, which means that we have not lost that image. It's certainly been marred, but we haven't lost it. Um being made in God's image is uh, the, the reason why we should not murder others, as this uh, verse tells us. Um, the image of God in man is why we would say, for instance, abortion is wrong. Uh, the image of God in man is why we should treat people with dignity and respect, even those with whom we disagree. Thomas Manton uh, says this, he says, but now this image talking about the image of, of God in man, is a great part defaced and lost and can only be restored in Christ. And while we have this image of God stamped on us, we have, through the fall, become totally depraved. God's image has become defaced. And of course, we know the biblical data for this idea. Uh, just consider Psalm 51.5, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. From the very beginning, I was born uh, in sin. Or Isaiah uh, chapter 1 verses 5 through 6 that says this, why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. Uh, the whole head, the whole heart, the whole body, from the sole of the foot to the head, all the way through we are completely sinful. Genesis 6-5, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Why talk through this issue? Uh, we prefer talking about the cure instead of the disease, don't we? Um, imagine with me that a doctor finds out his patient has cancer. But instead of being honest with the patient, he simply talks about his cancer in the friendliest way possible. You know, the patient is grateful when the doctor pictures cancer in all of its ugliness because only then when the patient knows what the diagnosis is can the patient understand and pursue the right cure. Puritan David Clarkson says, quote, the end of the ministry of the gospel is to bring sinners unto Christ. Let me stop there for a second before I finish this quote. 
we can, I think, certainly agree on that. The end of the ministry of the gospel is to bring sinners unto Christ. And of course, we could clarify even further for his glory. But we are to bring sinners to Christ. Now, how do we accomplish that? Well, this is what David Clarkson continues to say in this quote. He says, their way to this end lies through the sense of their misery without Christ. In other words, uh, to bring someone to Christ, you have to show them what their misery is without Christ. He continues, the ingredients of this misery are our sinfulness, original and actual, the wrath of God, whereto sin has exposed us, and our impotency uh, to free ourselves either from sin or wrath. So this is what he's saying. He's saying the goal is to bring people to Christ, and here's the way you do it. You show people their sin, you show people God's wrath, you show how sin has exposed them, and you show them how unable they are to free themselves from that. And the problem is what we want to do when we share the gospel is we only want to share uh, the fact that um, we need to trust in Christ. Now, we do need to share that, but that means nothing if you don't know how sinful you are. I think C.H. Spurgeon captures this idea in lectures to my students. He actually quotes um, someone uh, here at the beginning of this section. And so I'm just going to read the whole um, paragraph with Spurgeon's quote and then his own comments on it. He says this, quote, Old Robbie Flockhart used to say, It is of no use trying to sew with the silken thread of the gospel unless we pierce away for it with the sharp needle of the law. That's the end of Robbie Flockhart's quote. Spurgeon continues with his own statement. He says this, The law goes first like the needle and draws the gospel thread after it. Therefore, preach concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. Let such language as that of the 51st Psalm be often explained, show that God requireth truth in the inward parts, and that purging with sacrificial blood is absolutely needful. Aim at the heart, probe the wound, and touch the very quick of the soul." And this is an interesting one here. He says, spare not the sterner themes. In other words, don't uh, forget, don't leave out these harsh themes. He says, spare not the sterner themes, for men must be wounded before they can be healed and slain before they can be made alive. No man will ever put on the robe of Christ's righteousness till he is stripped of his fig leaves, nor will he wash in the fount of mercy till he perceives his filthiness. Therefore, my brethren, we must not cease to declare the law, its demands, its threatenings, and the sinner's multiplied breaches of it, end quote. Spurgeon is pretty uh, straightforward when he says that we need to hit people hard with their own sinfulness, their depravity, uh, and God's strict law that says that we violated it. This is total depravity, and when we when we leave this out of a gospel message, when we leave this out in our preaching, we do a great disservice to people by thinking that they're better than they are. Reminds us of Luke 5.31 that says this, Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. The problem nowadays is that the preachers aren't telling anyone that they're sick anymore. They're telling them they're basically well, they're good and they're victorious, but they can maybe use a little cosmetic improvement, and that's what Jesus is for. If you're not sick, you don't need Christ. 
And that's why it is so important that we reclaim the doctrine of total depravity. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com. Thank you.